Question for you. Who is the world's most trusted celebrity? I know that might seem like an oxymoron, but that's the, the question in front of us today. Who, who is the world's most trusted celebrity? Someone who, when you, when you see them on Netflix, when you watch their movie, you think they probably tell the truth. They, I'm sure that they have like upstanding character. I'd trust them with the kids. I'd, I'd let them give me advice about financial investments. Who are the most trustworthy celebrities? Believe it or not, this is, this is a, a topic of contention online. There are um, several websites dedicated to ranking celebrities on, on various things, but one of the things is their level of trustworthiness. And so what I wanted to do today is just share with you some of the responses that have been shared on one particular website where they've had a poll going for over a year. They've had more than a million votes cast about who is the most trustworthy celebrity. Now, before I show you the top four most trustworthy celebrities in the United States, I want to hear from you, names that you think will be on the list. If you're watching online, go ahead and drop a name in the comments of a celebrity that you think would be the most trustworthy. If you're here in person, go ahead and shout something out. Who do you think is going to be on this list? I hear, I hear Tom Hanks. I, see, I heard Oprah. Who else? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. She is one of America's saints, Dolly Parton. Those, those are all good guesses. So let me reveal to you the top four, with more than a million votes cast, the top four. The number four most trusted celebrity in the United States is Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. I'll buy anything he sells. It's just the voice. Number three, the number three most trusted celebrity in the United States is the sainted Betty White. Yeah, who doesn't trust Betty White? If you don't trust Betty White, you got problems. <laughs> the number two most trusted celebrity. This one surprised me. It made me say, whoa, it's Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Yep. I, I know, surprised to me as well. And then the number one most trustworthy celebrity is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, the most trustworthy celebrity. Somebody who shouted that out earlier gets 1,000 points. There you go, Scott. You get 1,000 points. Good for you. If you ask me after the service, I'll tell you the story about how I got my wife a happy birthday from Tom Hanks on her birthday in person one time. And then I looked at her afterwards and I said, Tom Hanks just wished you a happy birthday. I win all the birthdays forever. <laughs> Forrest Gump said happy birthday, Lisa. So, so what is it about about Tom or Betty or Morgan that makes them so trustworthy or seem so trustworthy? Is it, is it the roles that they play? Is it the voice they have? The face they make? What is it? And that's a, a good entree into a larger question. What makes anybody trustworthy? The reason I ask is because today we're concluding a series that we've been in called Trading Up. And today we're talking about trading disloyalty to faithfulness. Trading up from disloyalty to faithfulness. Uh, disloyalty is a word that simply means this. We live in a day and age where commitment is hard to come by, where promises seem as though they're easily broken, and trust is at a premium. It's a disloyal day and age. We are disloyal to commitments, disloyal to promises, disloyal to the truth, or so it seems. And we're talking trading up from disloyalty to faithfulness. Now, just here's some statistics. 
The marriage rate in the United States is at the lowest it's been since we started tracking a marriage in 1867. What that means is less people are making that particular promise. People are changing careers and moving jobs at a quicker pace than ever before. Just because you work someplace now doesn't mean you're going to work there two years from now. People bounce around. Among those for whom church attendance is regular, church membership is declining. People are making that promise for a particular place less and less. Not only are our commitments fading, but we seem to be lying more as a culture. And there's actual evidence to back that up. Bella DePaulo, she's a professor at the University of Virginia who studies lying. What's your PhD in? Lies. <laughs> she says that now, US adults, we lie in about 20% of our social interactions. One in five things that you say to another adult could be, could be categorized as lacking truthfulness. She says that women tend to lie to avoid hurting other people's feelings. Men tend to lie to impress women. <laughs> Who then lie to men and say, oh, that was good, or that was funny, right? The thing we lie about the most, according to her, work. In a recent survey of 1,000 employees, 96% of those surveyed, 96% said that they had lied in some way, shape, or form to get out of work. And who gets caught the most? Men get caught the most. She says that women are much better liars. They're better at everything, but especially even, I guess, the bad things. So we are, we are making less promises. We are not telling the truth. And here's what's happening. It's, it's eroding the trust that we have in each other. The trust in our elected leaders, the trust in the media, the trust in clergy continues to decline. And even the trust that we have for doctors and scientists is facing like this increased skepticism as a result of all the stuff that's gone on with the pandemic. We live in a day and age of disloyalty where it seems as though commitments are hard to come by, promises are easily broken, the truth is often not told, and trust is at a premium. And here's the thing to keep in mind for, for us, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, is that Jesus has strong opinions about disloyalty. You heard it in today's reading. Let me, let me restate what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37 from a slightly different translation. Jesus says this, let what you say simply be yes or no. Now listen to this second phrase. Don't jump over this. He's making a very strong statement. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Or no, anything more than this comes from evil. Here's what Jesus is saying. It is a demonic thing. It is a evil thing. It is a satanic thing. When you can't trust anything. Let your yes actually mean yes. And your no mean no. So how did we get here? How did we get to a day and age of deep disloyalty? Why is it like this? Well, uh, first thing I would say is that it's nothing new. If you read the first few chapters of Genesis, which is the Christian story of how all things began, what you see is that there was disloyalty from about the jump. Ask Adam and Eve about the whole apple thing. There were promises broken. There were lies told right away. I think each generation gets themselves into this, this disloyal lifestyle in its own unique way. 
And being the, the dime store sociologist and psychologist that I try to be, I would offer to you that the reason we, the current set of modern people, are in this disloyal day and age is because we have bought into two particularly broken ideas as people. The two broken ideas are these. Number one, that commitment itself is captivity. And number two, that wants outweigh words. Commitment is captivity. Wants outweigh words. In our day and age, freedom, defined as doing whatever you want to do, when and however you want to do it, is seen as the highest good. Therefore, commitment or obligation is inherently a threat to that freedom, which is seen to be the highest good. Because what if something better comes along? Therefore, it's a virtue to keep yourself without obligation. You need to be free of commitments in order to truly attain the highest good, which is freedom. And if freedom is our highest good in this day and age, then pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, is our culture's God, lowercase g. Specifically, a person's Desire to pursue pleasure, however they define it, is seen as sacred. More sacred than any vow that you've taken. More sacred than any other promise you've made or commitment you've given. If keeping that promise means violating your pursuit of pleasure, then who can blame you for stepping out of that commitment or breaking that promise or twisting the truth? in order to pursue your joy. These two ideas, you could say these two lies, that commitment is captivity and that your wants outweigh whatever words you've given to other people, are then used to justify avoiding accountability, to justify breaking promises, to justify twisting the truth and telling lies. It's used to justify so much of the disloyalty that we are guilty of and that we experience. And yet what Christians believe is that God wants to fill his world with something better than broken promises, twisted truths, and an unwillingness to commit to good and beautiful things. God wants his people to be the people who trade up from disloyalty to faithfulness. God wants to fill this world with faithfulness that kind of looks like him. And he wants it to enter this world through his people. Now, in order to really dig into this conversation, we have to define what it is we mean when we say faithfulness. So biblically speaking, faithfulness comes down to this. It comes down to one who commits to what is good, speaks what is true, and is the same to all people. It is a faithfulness to commitment, it is a faithfulness to truth, and it is a faithfulness to your character. It's integrity. You're committed to what is good, you speak what is true, and you are the same to all people. Now, as I outline that definition of what it means to be faithful, I have to admit to you that on all three of those counts, I fail spectacularly just about every single day. That's what biblical faithfulness is, and I, I will admit as your pastor, I fail on a regular basis. I say no to things that I know I should say yes to, that I know are good, just because I want to keep my options open. 
I will lie to people in order to avoid tough conversations and hurt feelings. I will say things like, I'll call you later. I don't call. I'm not mad. I'm furious. <laughs> you look great in that hat. They don't. <laughs> it's all lies. And, and not only do I, do I act differently around different people, here, here's the real temptation. I'm tempted to have a whole different morality based on who's around me. Things that I think are okay to say and do when I'm with friends, things that I think I'm okay to say and do when I'm around you, things that are okay to say and do when I'm all alone. I struggle to be consistent in my character. If that's what faithfulness is, I fail spectacularly all the time, and I think probably, my guess is that you do as well. But, but hear this. If, if you are here as a, as a forgiven follower of Jesus Christ, even though faithfulness is a struggle for you, even though it doesn't really come naturally for you or for me, God's spirit is alive and well in you. And that's the promise of Galatians chapter 5. Paul is talking to utterly sinful, unfaithful people, and yet he says, God's spirit is alive in you, and it's longing to produce certain fruit in you. And if you hear me preaching this sermon, and as I talk about, we live in a day and age of disloyalty, and we need more people who will commit to the good things, speak the truth, if, if that resonates with you and something in you says, yes, we need more of that, then that is God's own spirit speaking to you, saying that he wants to stir greater faithfulness in you, that it starts with you. It's God's way of saying to you and to me, yes, it's time to trade up to something better. Let go of a little bit of this world's disloyalty and trade up for faithfulness. Now, you might be wondering, well, Matt, what does that look like to be more faithful? And, and here's what I know. I don't have to tell you. You know. I don't have to tell you what it looks like to be faithful. I, I just outlined it. And it's blatantly obvious. Like, don't be a liar. Cool? Keep your promises, okay? Don't be one person in private and then a totally different person in public. That's what faithfulness looks like. It's relatively obvious. What I think that what we need is not how to be faithful. What we need is some reasons why it's a worthy pursuit. Why should we long for this and seek this and try to bear this fruit? So let me give you a couple of reasons why. First, I think faithfulness is something that you should pursue to nurture more of in your own life because faithfulness is freedom. Commitment is not captivity. Faithfulness is freedom. Some of us here are really skeptical of commitment. We've been told we have commitment issues. Not only will we not commit to that particular person, but we won't even commit to what we're going to have for lunch. We don't want to make the wrong choice. If you're here as a follower of Jesus and you are very, very skeptical of commitment to things that you know to be good, to things that you know to be right to things that you know are of God, it's time for your skepticism and your unwillingness to be committed to end. I get it. You won't join the thing. You won't propose to the girlfriend. You won't give your word because you fear losing control. But what I want to tell you is that the opposite is actually true. It's the one who refuses to make a promise who is held captive. 
They remain captive to emotions that they're afraid are going to change. What if I don't feel the same way about this person later on? They remain captive to unforeseen circumstances. What if, what if my circumstances shift? They remain captive to their fears of all the things that could happen. They remain captive to cultural pressure. Well, I want to do this, but they say not to do this. What you're doing is you're allowing all these other things to keep you from doing something you know you should do. That's captivity. The person who makes the promise, despite uncertainties, is actually exerting control. They're exercising their freedom. What they're saying is, I know things will change. I know I will change. She will change. Our emotions will change. Our circumstances will change. And in the midst of all that change, I will stay true to this. That's the exercise of freedom. You're not held captive to the uncertainties. You should want this because this is actual freedom. The bird that commits itself to the air rather than the sea isn't limited. It learns to fly. Freedom isn't about the absence of obligations. It's about the right ones. That's what it's about. Well, it's not just freedom. The reason you should pursue and aim for faithfulness is because faithfulness is love. Faithfulness in all the forms that we've talked about, making commitments to that which is good, telling the truth, being the same person at all times is a gift of love that you give to the world around you. I'm a firm believer that one of the primary reasons why anxiety is on the rise in our world is because trust in every single institution is being seriously eroded. No one knows what to believe, what is right, or whether some good thing is going to last for very long. And in a world where, where faithfulness is hard to find, anxiety is certain. And peace of mind is at a premium. But, but here's what happens. When, when you keep your word, when you promise your presence and you actually show up, when you arrive to each place as the same person every time, no matter what setting you're in, what you're doing is you are infusing your home, your workplace, your friend group, your most important relationships. You're infusing them with peace in an uncertain world. You're giving them stability in an uncertain world, you are giving them the gift of love when you are a faithful person. You see, we, we tend to think of love as this thing that's, that's lived out in these great and grand gestures, the extravagant gift, the romantic getaway, the heroic act, the tear-filled monologue where you profess your undying attraction and love to a particular person. But here's the truth. It's not the absence of those things that send people to my office in pain. It's the dad who deserted mom when you were four years old, so now you don't trust men. It's the friend who looked you in the eye and lied. It's the spouse who had a hidden life and then acted indignant when it was revealed. It's the boss who said, I got your back, I believe in you, and then laid you off at the first chance she got. If, if you want to love well in a way that makes a difference in the lives of the people who matter most, in a way that infuses our broken world with peace and stability and eases anxiety, you know what you need to do? Be trustworthy. Be honest. 
Be consistent in the small things with the major promises over time, over the long haul. And that's an incredible act of love. But it's not just freedom, it's not just loving. But the reason we should, we should desire the gift, the fruit of faithfulness in our lives is because it is of God, it is divine. Take another look at the fruits of the Spirit that Paul outlines. The fruit of the Spirit, he says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You want to know why there's no law against such things? Because these are the characteristics of God. He's kind, he's gentle, he's patient, he is faithful. And what he wants to do is, is see some of who he is manifested in you. He wants to fill the world with this stuff, and he wants to fill the world with this stuff through you and me. The fruit that God wants born in us are his own characteristics. I mean, do you know who Jesus is? I mean, I know that you know who Jesus is. He's, he's the Savior of the world, the Son of God. But another way to think of who Jesus is, is is this, that Jesus is not just God in flesh. Jesus is faithfulness in flesh. Our, our ancestors proved unfaithful in the garden, and God the Father promised to send a Savior, and he did. Jesus Christ is God the Father's promise kept. He is faithfulness in the flesh. He arrived, he lived, he died, and he rose for you, and now you are a forgiven member of God's family. He's faithfulness in the flesh. He's the promise kept. But, but think also about the character of Jesus. Think about, think about who he was when no one was looking. What comes to mind for me is Jesus alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, just hours before he's murdered, and he knows it's going to happen. His disciples are asleep, and he's utterly alone. He could have ran if he wanted to. But, but in the darkness, he said, he prayed to the Father, he said, I don't want to die but this was the promise made. So not my will, but yours be done. He is faithfulness in the flesh. But more than that, the promises continue to pour out. And he's been faithful with those promises. He's going to be faithful with these promises. He promises that he's going to pour grace on every single sin that you commit. That he's going to hear and he's going to answer every prayer that you utter. That he's going to walk with you down every dark and terrible road you have to travel. He's going to raise you up to everlasting life on the last day when he returns. Those are the promises. And he's been faithful with the other ones. He's going to be faithful in these because he is faithfulness in the flesh. And now what he wants of his baptized believing people is for some of his faithfulness, just some, to flow through you. And he will empower it all. He will enable it all through his own Holy Spirit. And now I know what you're thinking. Matt, I, I will never be as faithful as Jesus. Trust me, I know. That's not the goal. When my kids were little, they used to do this thing where they would they would try to walk in my shoes. Your kids do that? Like my, my, my son, when he was three, he would like stand in my size 13s by the door and try to walk and like he'd say my name, like dad, 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 and then he'd fall over flat on his face. And I'd be like, that's a really accurate impression of me. <laughs> but that's what little kids do who love their parents. They wanna literally and figuratively walk in their shoes, right? And it's joyful for them. That, that's, what, that's what Paul's talking about here. 
is walking in the faithful shoes of Jesus, knowing they're too big for us, knowing we will stumble about. But because we love him and we know it's an act of love to others, we know the world needs it, we know it's of God and we love him and he loves us, we stumble around in the shoes that he calls us to wear. Of trying to let some of the faithfulness that flowed to us flow through us. God is more faithful than we could ever be, but out of love for him, we seek to imitate and be like him. We put on his faithful shoes and we stumble about. So with all that being said, I want to take a moment for a little bit of honest assessment. I have a couple questions I want to give to you. Assuming that, that you would agree that the world, the world needs less disloyalty and more faithfulness as we have defined it, and assuming that you want to nurture more of this fruit in you and you believe that God wants to bring some of his faithfulness to this world through his people, I have some questions for you to reflect on to help nurture more faithfulness in you. First question is this. In what area are you avoiding greater commitment? Is there something in your life that you know is a good thing? It's you could probably safely say it's a God thing, but you have been avoiding commitment, greater engagement with that thing. You've held it at arm's length. It's asking for a yes, and you've just said, uh, I'm not sure, I don't know. Is there something in your life that you're avoiding commitment with? Second question is this, and this is a hard one. To whom are you most tempted to lie? A lie being literally not tell the truth, but also a lie as in I'm, I'm tempted to not show up as my true self. Or I'm tempted to be most inconsistent in my character when I'm with this group or this person. That's a lie. To whom are you most tempted to lie? Is it your spouse? Is it your employer? Is it your friends? Who is it? T take your honest answers to these things. And maybe if you're really brave, you talk about them with people that you know and you love and you really wrestle with it. I'm struggling with commitment to this, even though I know I should. I'm struggling to be truthful and honest in this part of my life, even though I, I know I, I should be truthful and honest. Wrestle with that. And then what I want you to do, follower of Jesus, is just pray about those things. And ask the Lord to help you to be a beacon of faithfulness in this world and so far as it depends on you and by the power of his spirit with those things. I know that some of you are like, but Matt, I'm really bad at prayer. I don't know like how to even start it. I got your back. Here, here's an example of a prayer that you could pray about your own call to the fruit of faithfulness. Uh, I'm gonna have these words on the screen. I, I would invite you to say them with me Consider this prayer practice. Let's say these words together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness to me in Jesus Christ. Create in me a heart that is committed to those around me and the places you've put me. Help me to love the truth at all times, especially when it is inconvenient. And like my Lord, may I be the same in private that I am in public consistent in character with one and all. Amen. It goes like that. Who are the most trustworthy, most faithful people in your life? Not, not talking celebrities, like actual people that you know. Just think for a moment. If I were to put a collage of their photos on the screen, whose pictures would appear? Your spouse, your dad, your best friend, who would be there? 
And as you think about those people, would you agree with me? The world needs more of those kinds of people, right? People who speak truth, people who are determined to do and keep the good, people who have integrity of character. Here's my my final word to you. Jesus Christ has set you free to be somebody else's most faithful person. His faithfulness to you, forgiving each sin, securing your future, makes it safe and even joyful for you to be faithful for others. Let your yes be a yes, and your no be a no. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the faithfulness that you show to us without end in Jesus Christ. Thank you for faithfully forgiving each sin. Thank you for securing our future. Thank you for faithfully walking with us in him. And Father, we ask that that would give us such peace, such confidence, such joy, that we would set aside any other fear that keeps us from committing to what is right, keeps us from telling the truth, keeps us from being consistent in our character. We might set those things aside and we might be the faithful people that you've called us to be, who, yes, are but a glimmer, but a glimpse, but just an ounce, a drop in the ocean of your faithfulness to us, but faithful nonetheless. And help us to see it not as an obligation, but as something that, that we are free to do joyfully, In Jesus' name, amen.